0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Grunibblink, and I will be your host. Today, we're talking about the 2022 NHL entry draft and taking a look at the latest batch of prospects set to enter the league. For this show, I'm pleased to welcome Peter Harling. Peter is a contributor for Dauber Hockey, and he hosts the Dauber Prospects radio podcast. Peter, how are you doing?
1: Doing really great, Nate. Thanks for having me on. Yeah.
0: I was excited that you were able to do this with us. It's always good to have uh, one of the guys from Dauber over. I've had Ian Gooding on in the past, and he was a tremendous guest for the podcast. So glad to make this happen. Why don't you just start us off? Tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got into um, being associated with Dauber, all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. So um, about a lifetime ago, I was uh, a longtime store manager of uh, Blockbuster Video. I worked there for like <laughs> Fifteen years back okay. in the day, dating yeah. myself a little bit. <laughs> uh, anyway, so when they went tits up here in Canada, um, I uh, I needed some time to, uh, you know, get out of the the mindset that I'd been with that one company for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I took to I took almost a year uh, off work, and to keep myself busy, I decided that I I'd, I'd give a uh, hockey writing a little bit of a an audition so I started a blog, uh, that ceased to exist a long time ago, uh, and submitted an article to, um, the, the form at Dauber hockey, At uh, the, the time, I think it's still called the black Aces. and, uh, Dauber reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in posting that article on his site. And, uh, I said, yeah, that sounds cool. <laughs> and, uh, and I just kind of started writing uh, for a couple different places. After that, um, I, I had a stint with the hockey writers okay. um, and then uh, a couple of friends and I started managing our own fantasy hockey website called Fantasy Hockey Coach. Um, but, uh, you know, we ran into some, some technical problems with that. We couldn't figure out how to design the site we're not programmers. Um, it didn't, we didn't, you know, it was a hobby, so we didn't want to pay anyone to to upgrade it and make it run the way we, we wanted it to. So that kind of went by the wayside. And and when that died, Dauber reached out to me and he said, Hey, would you be, I'd been writing for, for him covering a team's prospects. And, um, he says, Hey, I need a new managing editor. Um, Dean Youngblood got picked up as a a scout for an OHL team and he offered me that position and I ran with it. Um, Mm I had a really good time doing that for a number of years and I've never really uh, left the site although I stepped down as the managing editor because my day job changed again and um, when I was managing editor I was I was on the road a lot so I had some evenings in hotels and I was able to travel and go to games and and the job wasn't that uh, demanding on my time yeah yeah uh, uh, but you know that changed jobs and that all changed so uh, anyways I'm you know I'm just happy to still be. Uh, writing and and podcasting a little bit of fantasy hockey talk and uh, gets me into games and and events for, for free. And uh, it's Mm -hmm. a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that sounds great. How'd you get into the prospect side, particularly what led you to that?
1: Uh, I kind of felt like there was, there was more of a demand for that information Mm -hmm. Um, and the hockey pools that, that I had been in up to that point uh, were, We're getting deeper and deeper you know they they went from annual redrafts to keeper leagues you know partial keeper you could keep 10 of your 20 players and uh, and then we added prospect options where you could have like five prospects and then i got into leagues that mirrored what being an nhl gm would would be like as as close as you can right Mm -hmm. so rotisserie head-to-head stats with a full 25 prospect bench roster and there's you know 25 to 30 teams in the league so yeah goes deep yep. uh and so it just kind of the kind of evolved at the same time sort of hand in hand that the more deeper hockey pools i got into the more interested i was in prospects the more interested i was in researching and so i kind of right. used the hockey research and writing to create articles and at the same time learn about what prospects i wanted for my own teams
0: right yeah i'd I think that's kind of pretty much the same journey I've been on uh, the last few years. I would say really only three years now I've been into Dynasty uh, and getting into the prospects and doing my own research, putting together my own, you know, top 50 lists and and everything for my Dynasty Leagues. So I'm excited to have you go through your top 10 here. So why don't we go ahead and get into that? Uh, Number one... Why don't, I'll, I won't spoil things for the for the listeners here. I'll let you lead into who's your number one.
1: Sure. So uh, my top three. I got I got a tier of top three, and they're okay. all they're all real real close together. Um, but uh, there might be a little bit of bias behind this one because I live in Kingston. Okay. I saw, I saw a lot of of Shane Wright this mm-hmm. season. Uh, not so much last year, and then as well the year before that is is rookie year. Uh, so he holds on to the, the number one spot on my list. And, you know, I've seen some other lists that have a couple different guys. Bob McKenzie just had, uh, Slipkoski as his top, Mm -hmm. um, Chris Peters, who I have a lot of respect for. He's got, uh, Logan Cooley at number one. And, you know, I don't, I don't shake my head or turn my nose up at any, any three of those guys being, uh, the number one, anyone's given ranking. Um, but for me, it's, it's still Shane Wright. Um, you know, you can say that he had a slow start to the year. Um, I think he absolutely did from a statistical standpoint, but when you watch the games that he played in, uh, he was still a factor in the games and he can impact the game in a lot of ways other than just scoring goals, um, Mm -hmm. and and, getting cash and assists. So, you know, he's got a lot of abilities that I think are very translatable to the NHL. Yeah. So one of the things I like about him is is he's got a very high floor. The yeah. certainty of him playing in the NHL, uh, being a relevant player, um, and then maybe even uh, having a, a pretty good career, Hall of Fame caliber career, those are all legitimate possibilities or, or strong possibilities. Whereas the other players in this draft, um, some of them have better um better ceilings you know like you can make an argument that this guy's gonna score more than Shane Wright uh and I would agree with that I mean if I was taking who's going to be the highest scoring player in his career out of this draft Shane Wright of the field I'll take the field all day long right um but I'd still take Shane Wright number one
0: yeah yeah and that makes sense um I mean anytime you're gonna take one player versus the field in any draft class of 18 year olds it's kind of it's kind of always going to be the field unless you're in the Connor McDavid class or maybe the Austin Matthews class, right? Um, right. But yeah, I think I think uh, that's kind of what I've been hearing uh, from a lot of different sources about. Right, is he definitely has the floor? He's definitely going to play. He's definitely going to be a top six center in the league. Does he have that? Uh, kind of elite upside where you could see him scoring 100 points one day. Uh, a lot of people less sure on that front. I've heard I've heard some people say a ceiling of Patrice Bergeron. How does that strike you?
1: I'd be ecstatic if I was Montreal and I draft Shane Wright and he turns into Patrice Bergeron because right. I had Alan Mansky on Dauber Prospects radio and we talked uh, for about half an hour on Shane Wright. And um, one of the, the things we talked about was his comparison to Bergeron. And, you know, if, if he has a career like Patrice Bergeron's where he wins Stanley Cups, World Juniors, Olympic Gold, Selkie Trophies, I mean, Patrice Bergeron's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer, in my opinion. So, yep. I know if Shane Wright ends up being a first ballot Hall of Famer and, or even has a, a career that's pretty close to Patrice Bergeron's, that's great. Yeah,
0: totally agree. All right, so let's talk about the next two guys there that you have in that same tier. Maybe we can do a little compare and contrast between the two: Uh, Logan Cooley, a center, obviously, and Slavkovsky, a a bigger-sized winger, Um, but definitely some different attributes to their games. Um, So, what would draw you to one versus the other?
1: Uh, What are you talking about from a fantasy perspective, or for the NHL? All right, so. For a fantasy perspective, uh, the thing I like about Yuri Slavkovsky is if I'm in a multi-cat league, he's the guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's gonna he's gonna be a high-volume shooter, so he'll get you a lot of shots, a lot of goals, um, probably a, a decent amount of of hits as well. Um, he's big body, so he can you know camp in front of the net. He could score from range, and he can get those greasy goals too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the the file that I have for fantasy for, for Slavkovsky. I have him ranked uh, at second. Um, and then third, I've got Logan Cooley. I think right and Slavkowski can step right into the NHL right away. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think Cooley's going to do that. He's going to, um, I think it was Michigan. Um, so he's got at least one, one year of, of NCAA. He'll probably be a one and done. Um, so he could even actually be in the NHL like April or whenever the, the college right. season ends for him. Yep. Uh, and, and you know, get a handful of games at the NHL level at the end of the season. Uh, but you know, Cooley's a real, a really talented offensive player. I think mean, safe to say he's got a higher offensive upside than than Wright does. Um, he thinks the game really fast, uh, and he's got fast hands and, and feet to keep up with it. He makes a, a lot of um, nice, short, quick passes, and that's okay. for me that's a that's an indicator of a high hockey IQ you know, the puck comes to them and bang, it's off their stick to someone else. And, and mm-hmm. they're moving into the, the next position to receive the pass back for a give and go or a cycle or a one timer or something like that. Yep. Uh, it shows you that he knows not only where his teammates are, but where the, the defense is and where the holes are and how to exploit them. Uh, so I see a lot of that in Cooley's game. Uh, he's a little on the underside undersized side, but it, not enough that I think it's going to be detrimental. Mm-hmm. And I think his hockey IQ more than compensates for that you know so he'll be able to put himself into positions where bigger guys don't have the uh the option to take advantage of him like that
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's something there are some guys that you worry about being undersized and some guys that you just don't like um classic classic uh example being mitch marner uh for my my maple leafs here um, I just don't think there was ever any doubt that he would be able to cut it at the NHL level um, for various reasons. Um, but it sounds like you have some of the the same feelings about Cooley, where the size you wish obviously in a in a perfect world you wish everybody was six four coming into the league. But uh, it sounds like you don't have any real reservations about him being a little undersized.
1: No, it's a good comparison, actually, Mitch Marner. um, You know, he is. He's not super short, but he's a pretty slight guy. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's not he's not intimidating anybody physically, but he yeah. does his intimidation when the puck's on his stick. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, you, you watch him play, and he just he's so slippery and elusive that it's hard for guys to to pin him down or mm-hmm. pin him down. And uh, yeah, I think Cooley will, will will play a similar style once he makes it.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, with Slavkovsky, I've heard a lot about how his hands are really impressive. Uh, for someone of his size and I was trying to think of uh, another comparison in the league uh, for a guy who has really soft hands but has that size the only one I could really think of was James Van Riemsdyk is there a better comparison out there with his Van Riemsdyk um, fit at all or is that not really a maybe not a stylistic fit for you
1: yeah that's pretty good um personally i'm not a real big fan of the the player comparisons um mm-hmm. contributing to the the dauber prospects um fantasy prospect guide that's the part about it that i hate the most is trying to come <laughs> up with, with the comparison for right. for a player uh and i'll look at at any shortcut or, or easy out i can with with anyone else that's that's come up with a player comparison i'll just i'll just steal that because i hate thinking of player comparisons it's just yeah. a a rabbit hole that takes so much time for me to to process and go through and think about players. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's hard to avoid the biases of, well, this guy's check. So what's a check player that he plays like, yeah, yeah. or he's, or he's really big. So what's a big player. And then just yeah. comparing him to someone who's also six, five or, or five, nine, if they're small players. Um, so I, that's just, that's just me. I, I don't like doing player comparisons. I appreciate that the readers and the and the listeners love them because they maybe haven't seen very much of these players play and they want to get an idea of what they could be mm-hmm. looking at in in if they're if they're thinking about drafting him in the fantasy leagues. Um but yeah, you're you're pretty bang on there. I mean he's got really good size, like JVR does. JVR doesn't use his size very much, and I think you'll see right. Slachowski. Uh, be a little bit more assertive aggressively. He's not going to be a Tom Wilson or anything like that. But, sure. um, you know, if he's got the option to go around someone or through them, he'll go around them if he can. And if mm-hmm. not, then, you know, plan B is I'll just I'll try and push my way past him and, and drive it to the net anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a wicked shot. Um, he's got his his release is really deceptive. It's very quick. It's very accurate. He can score from from range. And, uh, you know, he can use his size in tight at the net, like the way JVR does as well. JVR loves the, uh, the side of the net, collect the puck and, you know, put it between his legs and tuck it up under the post. He tries that yep. like at least once a night, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so there's where the, the soft hands and the big size comparison between the two of them, them come in. I think you're right. You're a good call there.
0: Yeah. Okay. So that's the top tier. One, two, three, Shane Wright, Logan Cooley, and your age Slikovsky, uh, who would comprise the next tier for you then?
1: um so for for me, and i I've kind of started to to waver on this actually, but my next year was was two players, and it was two the two right shot defensemen, Juracek and, and Nemec. Okay. Um, and they are it's interchangeable. you know I, I change my mind one day from the next as to who I've got above the other. so I don't really, you know. I, you call it Eurocheck, and then Nemec is what I gave you as my top 10 list, and that's what I posted, so I guess I'm married <laughs> to that. But uh, if you said to me, I think it should be the other way around, I'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, sure, yeah. I'll listen <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, you know, they're both right shot, they're both big. Um, they got tremendous upsides, the both of them. Uh, Eurocheck, I think, had a higher profile coming into the draft at least for me uh you know i've seen him play at a couple international tournaments as a 17 year old and it's like oh man this kid's uh pretty dominant mm-hmm. uh he's gonna be a you know a, a top top five pick for sure and and he is for me a top five pick uh he had some injuries this year that maybe i think took a little wind out of his his sale this season um so maybe that's why some people have that ahead of him i don't know um, but he's got a right shot. He's got size. He's got really good mobility and a cannon for a shot. I mean, that's that's checks a lot of boxes for what NHL for sure. GMs are looking for. Now, I'm not sure how well that translates for fantasy hockey. So, if you're in, if if this is very similar to how the NHL draft unfolds, and if you're in a fantasy league that just tracks goals and assists, then both these guys should fall way down your draft list, despite the fact that they're top five NHL picks. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't see them translating that well into fantasy.
0: Okay. What, uh, what, what with Nemec would uh, put you off? Like you're a check. You see some of the projectability with the shot and stuff like that with Nemec. I've, I've kind of gotten a lot of wishy-washy. It feels like um, profiles on him where people are like, he's really good at playing hockey, but he doesn't like. It doesn't seem like he has necessarily a defining attribute, at least offensively, that we can get excited about for fantasy. Would that be a fair thing to say, or would that not be fair for, from your perspective?
1: Uh yeah, I don't know. I think um he may not have the same sort of size and all-around game that Yerichek has. Uh but mm-hmm. I think his offensive upside is is quite good actually. Okay. Um so he might not be the minute muncher and top pairing defenseman that Yerichek turns out to be, but he could be more of a power play specialist and middle six kind of guy. Okay. Uh he's got pretty good hockey sense and vision and passing ability, so you know, I could see him you know really quarterbacking the power play you can do that too but i think his main role on on the power play is his is howitzer from the blue line right right so the power play might go through your but he's not necessarily driving the bus yep. um whereas i think nemich might be more of a more of a playmaker and and quarterback for the power play
0: okay and for those of us who play in, you know, these leagues with hits and blocks and all these peripheral categories, I uh, what I've been hearing is that Urechek is more likely to fill those categories for us. Does that sound about right?
1: Yeah, I'd say so for sure.
0: Okay, all right. So that's the next two there. So we've got Wright, Cooley, Slavkowski, Nemec, and Urechek. So far, um, is the next tier widen up for you, or are we still pretty tight here after those? <sighs>
1: Yeah, I think well, where I was saying some of my confusion comes from is is from the next guy, and that's Cutter Goche. So, okay. you know, I could easily be talked into putting Goche at four and okay. bumping both those defensemen down. Um, I really like Goche. I loved what I saw from him at the U18s. You know, he's able to impact the game in a lot of different ways. He can score goals, he can uh, create momentum, throw in hits, uh, plays physical, not a liability defensively. He's versatile. I mean, he's listed as a left winger, but uh, you know, he says that he's a center, and he just moved to the wing because the NTDB had, had depth at center, and they needed him on the wing. Um, but at the Combine, he said in some interviews that he sees himself as a center, and he thinks that he should be a center at the NHL level um so you know, you've know got versatility with him in what position you can play him at and you know if that turns out to be the case down the road in the nhl then you've got fantasy multiple positional eligibility which is always nice yep. you have a little flexibility for moving guys in and out of your roster and maximizing games played and he's going to check a lot of boxes right like if you can get faceoff wins from a winger he's going to shoot a lot he's going to score a lot he'll be on the power play in front of the net he'll throw some hits he might even drop the mitts from time to time like that's a lot of good things yeah. for fantasy hockey. So in a fantasy hockey draft, there's there's no question that I would have him ahead of the defenseman, depending on I guess your league scoring and format and positional values. But in all the leagues I'm in, it'd be Goche ahead of those guys every day.
0: Okay, yeah, with the size, uh, I've got him listed at six foot three. Um, yeah, definitely. Anytime you get a sniff of that positional um, buy eligibility or try eligibility, even that's something that always makes us fantasy managers perk up our ears. So, um, Goche was um uh, from what I understand kind of the the grinder on that line for the US uh development program and really kind of the finisher in some ways as well. Is it fair to say that he has a good shot and we should expect him to be a goal scorer at the next level? Like are we looking at 30 plus goal side upside here or what are we looking at really?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, he's got a great shot. He likes to shoot, and he likes to model his game after uh, Austin Matthews. I and mean, he grew up in Arizona, so that might have something okay. to do with it. Um, yeah. You know, but I don't, I don't think that's necessarily a really good comparison. You know, Matthews is, he's a pretty good player. <laughs> um, he's decent. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. But even if um, Goche is is even close to Matthews. That's, that's very, very good. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's got a really good shot. He's going to Boston college, so he'll take a little bit of time to get to the NHL at least a, at least a season as well. Um, But it'd be interesting to see if, if he, uh, if he ends up playing center and I, I think 30 goals is a pretty reasonable uh, upside for, for this player. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. That's what we like to hear. Anybody who's going to hit a bit and, has potential for 30 goals. That's definitely someone that fantasy managers got to keep an eye on after Goche, Then, uh, is it still the same tier for some of these guys or do you have a drop off again?
1: So this is a slight, uh, slight step down, but it's a pretty big, pretty big group here. Yeah. Okay. Um, then the next guy I would have here would be, uh, Jochen Kemmel from, uh, from the Liga. Um, really like his goal scoring ability. Great, great shooter. Good shot. Um, a lot of people think he is the the best goal scorer in the draft class. Um, my only real concern with him, I mean, he's he's got good all-around game. He's got good skills. He's got decent size. It's not a problem. It's not an asset like goje but it's not a problem. Um, skates well, Has seems to have pretty good hockey sense, but his scoring lines are really lopsided for goals, like two to one for goals in all the leagues he seems to have played in. Um so you typically, that's kind of a, a concern for me from, I don't like to use the term scout from a scouting um, aspect, you know, if players get a lot of goals, it brings it to question at the junior level, anyways, more goals and assists, like what, what's his hockey sense like then, you know, he's mm-hmm. got a good shot. And at the junior level, he can find the time and the space to utilize that shot and beat some shaky goaltending at the lower levels and junior, right? and then really pad those offensive stats. So what happens, though, when he moves up the food chain and gets into pro hockey, the North America, the AHL, the NHL, he doesn't have that same time and space to get that shot off. And when he does, he's got to beat an elite world-class goaltender. Can he still score at a rate that's going to get him a meal ticket in the NHL? Mm -hmm. And if not, like, what else is he doing for you if he can't get assists and if he's not big like Goche, yep. he's not hitting. You know, like okay, so now now what is he? Is he have to rely on adapting and becoming a defensive specialist? Well, that's fine, right? You can carve out a long career as a sure. as, as a defensive specialist in the NHL, Cogliano. But you don't want to draft that guy in the top ten, do you?
0: Yeah, yeah, and especially for fantasy, so it becomes yeah. maybe a bit more of a boomer bust kind of pick then.
1: Right. And here I'm kind of banking more on the boom than the bust. Sure. Um, Because he's goal scoring is a premium man and both the NHL Mm -hmm. and fantasy alike. And if this guy can find a way to score goals in the NHL, then he's a top 10 pick all day long.
0: Right. Yeah. And that's something that I do always try to prioritize is finding goal scorers uh, in these prospect drafts guys who have projectable uh, shooting ability and find multiple ways to be goaltenders because it is it's just the hardest thing to find uh, in fantasy and in the NHL is guys who can consistently be goaltenders so uh, if you can find a few of those guys in your prospect drafts every year kind of regardless of what else they bring to the table then it is a distinct asset and something that you should prioritize I think for sure all right so after Kemal then who's next up
1: going back to ntdb um and, and going with frank Nazer here uh, okay. i really like a lot of the national team development program guys in this draft uh, it's almost like 2019 where we had a whole bunch of them right um yeah
0: there's a whole bunch even projected for the first round it looks like
1: yeah there's like six or eight guys which is comparable to 2019 that had jack hughes um, Cam York, Cole Caulfield, mm-hmm. um, Spencer Knight. Now, I think this draft from from the National Team Development Program can compare with quantity of first round picks, but not necessarily quantity or, or quality. I mean, right? Yeah. Um, they just, you know, they're they're all first round picks, so they're all good, but I, I don't think they're going to pan out to be quite as good as some of those nineteen guys. Mm-hmm. But back to to I uh, got him at eight. I really like him too. I think some people are hiring them and some people are not. I've seen them, you know, out, inside and outside of the top 10 uh, yeah. with pretty wide swings too, right? Like yeah, top five inside the top 10 and some people have him in the 20s. Um, so you read his, his scouting report and it reads a lot like Logan Cooley's and everyone's got mm-hmm. Logan Cooley in their top three. Um, but he's a little bit on the slight size. You know, he's south of six feet tall. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's speedy he's an offensive dynamo thinks the game really fast quick hands quick feet you know kind of the same stuff I said about Logan Cooley um, yeah Frank Nazar gets some uh, you, you were talking about comparables uh, Matt Barzell as a player that uh, Pete okay. Crosby compared him to when he was on my podcast and that's a pretty nice comparison right I think we yeah. all wouldn't mind getting ourselves a, another Matt Barzell on our fantasy roster Um. Sure. You know, but again, this is going to be another, another bit of a wait. He's going to Michigan. So, uh, I think maybe two years on this one, you know, he's five foot nine. So give him some time to, uh, hit the gym and, and bulk up a little bit.
0: Yeah. 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 I think Nazar is Michigan. I think Cooley is Minnesota if I remember correctly, thinking back. Um, but yeah, I, I really like, uh, what I've seen and what I've heard about Nazar, um, How much do you think, I don't personally know uh, how much they really played together with Cooley and Goche and Nazar, kind of these top three um, from the U.S. development program there. Um, Do you think that they kind of all benefited from each other? Do you think one was maybe a bit more of a a trailer than a truck, if we could use that analogy? Uh, Is there one that kind of drove things and the others were a bit more along for the ride or were they all kind of equal parts?
1: I would I lean more towards the all equal parts thing. There's just a deep team, right? So you can sure. interchange the rosters a little bit. You got Cooley, Goche, Nazar, Isaac Howard, Rutger McGroody, Jimmy Snuggerude. Uh, and then on defense, you've got Slane Hudson, Ryan Chesley, Seamus Casey. So I mean they had a lot of lot of tools on that roster. So um I don't think anyone in those in that list that I just rhymed off, I don't think any of those guys were passengers just riding coattails. No. Okay. Good. Yeah.
0: Um. One other thing on Nazar. Um. I see that he seems to be at least if you just go by the statistics, he seems to be a bit more of a playmaker. Uh. I think he is a little bit closer to two to one on assists versus goals. Do you think he has the shot to put up thirty goals like we were talking about with some of these other guys, the Goches and the Kemel? Does he have that kind of projectable goal scoring ability?
1: Uh. I think. Play driving is more his bread and butter, mm-hmm. but uh, I think he'll he'll score more goals than Adam Oates did. Sure, <laughs> right, yeah. that
0: makes sense. All right, so after Nazar, who's number nine then?
1: So I went with uh, another defenseman here, um, and in fantasy hockey, I might even consider taking him ahead of uh, the other two ahead of. Yerichek and Nemich. And this okay. is uh, Moostra Warriors' Denton Matejek. I really like him. So not everybody has him as their third defenseman or, or even inside their top 10. I've seen, I think Bob McKenzie had him ranked in the 20s somewhere. Okay. Um, so I, I might be out to lunch on this. But anytime I watched him play, I was really impressed. And what I saw was that he plays with an NHL-level pace like now. Um, he reads the play really, really well. He sees plays developing, and he sees that both offensively and defensively. And he's a puck hound. He just chases the puck down. He's very aggressive at uh, puck possession. Okay. Sometimes that's a detriment. You know, he'll chase the puck uh, out of position, uh, and if he loses the battle. Uh, or his teammate that he's going to support loses the battle, then he can find himself out of position. So he might need to be reined in a tiny bit. But you don't, you don't really want to rein players in too much when when they have that Charlie Hustle aggressive forecheck kind of attitude. I really mm-hmm. like. That. Um, bit of a bit of a rover. He can be all over the ice sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, he's you can just watch him play, and you're like, man, this guy just he really, really doesn't want the other team to have the puck at all. And then (laughs) as as soon as he gets it, it's going straight to the other team's goal. Mm -hmm. Like that's the whole point of hockey. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He gets it. (laughs) He gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I think he's got the, the upside to be the biggest impact offensive defenseman in, in this class. There's a couple of guys you could say that about, and and he's one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, I'm really excited to see how his development progresses, what team drafts him um, and how he transitions to, uh, to pro hockey in, in another year or so.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've got him listed at five 194 pounds. Does the size, uh, give you any cause for concern there? Did he have any trouble with some of the bigger forwards that you, you were able to see him against?
1: So being that size, he can't, you know, steamroll over guys, but So for defensemen for size, the concern is, can they defend with that size, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a couple ways you can defend a player coming in on you and he's got the puck and you just push him over, right? So you have to have size and strength and skating ability to catch the player and smarts to leverage him into position where you can deliver that hit and separate him from the puck. So smaller players don't have that physical ability necessarily. Um, however, they can still achieve that. And a really good example of that is Ryan Ellis. He right. is not very huge, but he can deliver some, some really impactful hits and I, impactful. I don't mean like Scott Stevens impactful. I mean, like they get the job done. They separate mm-hmm. the player from the puck. Right. And the way yep. he does it is skating and timing, right? He watches where the other players, uh, feet are, and he finds a way to deliver a hit and catch them when they're off balance. You don't need to be six foot five, two hundred five pounds to knock a guy over. You just gotta push him off his right off the right leg and yeah. you know he'll fall over. You use your momentum, use his momentum against him. Um, and you don't even need to be physical. Like Nicholas Lindstrom was one of the greatest defensemen of all time. And he wasn't overly physical, right? Like he wasn't yeah. a crusher out there. He wasn't Chris Pronger, but um he was really, really smart with how he angled players out of danger zones and forced them to go where he wanted them to go, not where they wanted to go. And his stick was just fantastic, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, not by any stretch of the means am I comparing Matejczyk or anyone from this draft class to Nick Lindstrom, but for small players, that's how you can be an effective defender. Um, So I think Matejczyk has got enough of that Mm -hmm. that his size doesn't really concern me now. Okay.
0: Yeah, that is always a concern. And definitely there are different ways, but it is sometimes you wonder with these smaller guys, like they almost have to be uh, above average defenders to get to the NHL faster and you, you start to wonder what kind of timeline am I looking at with some of these smaller defensemen how long is it really gonna take for them to uh, impress a coach with their defensive ability and we all know uh, NHL coaching still uh, appears to be stuck a, a few years um, back of where we feel like we are with the league um, so let's uh, get into the 10th player from this list then
1: yeah, so tenth I went with uh, I kind of hummed and hawed between um, two players here, Matthew okay. Savoy and Jonathan Lukaramaki, but Lukaramaki gets the slight nod because I think he's uh, another sniper, right? Um, mm. So he's a little bit better goal scoring ability than Savoy, I think. Um, he's just got a lethal shot, and he can he can really light the lamp. Um, and he's got a few more elements to his game than just goal-scoring as well, but goal-scoring is going to be his bread and butter. I don't think he's quite as prolific a shooter as, uh, as Kemmel is, but I suppose mm-hmm. that's debatable depending on who you, who you talk to. Um, but I think I, I like Le He's overall game a little bit better, and he's definitely got top six upside in the NHL.
0: Awesome. Um, is there anybody that we didn't get to talk to or talk about, I guess, who you you feel like you're higher on that you'd like to kind of put your stamp on and say, I think this guy's going to be good and going to be good for fantasy. Is there anybody outside of this kind of top 10 that we've been through that you feel strongly about?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a couple of guys who uh, I'm really excited about for uh, to see where they get drafted, how high, um, mm-hmm. and where I can snag them in my fantasy league. Um, I would say Lane Hudson is a good example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another national team development program player, uh, really small, like super small. Yeah. Uh, so that's, what's going to make him slide down the draft rankings a little bit, maybe not even a, a first round pick. Um, but I put eight, I think I read, yeah, <laughs> that's real small, <laughs> especially for a defenseman. It is, Um, but uh, actually about that, I was listening to Chris Peter's podcast, um, Hockey Sense with Chris Peter, Mm -hmm. and he was talking to him and he said that uh, that they've had a like a bone density doctor specialist thing. Uh, Take a look at him and they still think that he's got a little bit of growing to do. So, I mean, there's there's a there's a big difference between five foot eight and five foot ten. For sure two inches to be exact um, <laughs> but like i was just saying um you know he is he is a very 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 smart player and i'm not really worried about the fact that he's only five eight yeah there will be some circumstances where that gets exploited and and players you know just put the shoulder down put an arm out keep him within out of arms reach of the puck with with one hand and then the other hand they control their the puck with one with one hand on their stick Mm -hmm. Uh, and there's not going to be much he can do about that he's just not going to be able to to muscle guys like tom wilson off the puck yeah not going to happen um but he's just really smart and his stick is um one of the best defensive sticks in this draft class and i think that's a skill that he has that's his defending ability is is probably pretty close to nhl right now um Mm -hmm. he'll be going to i'm pretty sure he's going to boston u um, and he should take a couple of years yeah. uh, of college and, and lift a lot of weights while he's there. Um, but he's got a really good boomer bust potential, I think, because his offensive upside is also really, really high. Um, so, you know, he could be, a, a really good sleeper fantasy pick that if he goes late in the NHL draft, you could scoop him up with, uh, your second pick in your draft maybe mm-hmm. and uh, stash him away. On your prospect bench and keep an eye on him and see how he does with the terriers over the next couple seasons. And then when he turns pro, you could have yourself a real, a real, uh, a real keeper.
0: All right, I love to I love to have a few sleepers. So that's a good one to put in the back pocket for my upcoming drafts. Well, yeah. that's all the time we got, Peter. Uh, why don't you just go ahead tell the people where they can follow you on socials and all that, and just generally follow your work.
1: Yeah, sure. So my Twitter handle is Farling, P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. And uh, I also have a Twitter handle for the podcast, DPR underscore show, uh, Dollar Prospects Radio. Uh, You can catch me on either of those. All right.
0: Well, Peter, it's been my pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for discussing this uh, with me and for the listeners. And folks, that's all I've got for the episode. Hopefully brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. Uh, make sure you find your way into the apples and genos discord community it's just a great way to talk to a bunch of people who all have their dynasty drafts upcoming and are trying to figure out exactly who we're going to take in these spots so make your way in there many thanks again to the band there there for our intro and outro music and many thanks to our guest peter for joining us and that's it folks much love <music>